0: from Hayatop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah. It's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, November 1st. Republican Phil Lyman is running for Governor of Utah. He announced his candidacy on Monday. Lyman currently represents House District 69 in Utah's State House. That covers the southeast corner of the state, including Grand, San Juan, and parts of Emory counties.
1: Yeah, I've, I've loved being in the legislature, and I and I like um, being able to affect things by passing my own legislation or by weighing in on other people's legislation.
0: But if elected governor, Lyman says he can help influence the legislature.
1: One of the things that I would do right off the bat is devote more resources to the legislative branch and fewer resources to the executive branch and ask the legislature to be more active in passing laws that don't require a lot of administrative rules to implement them. Right now, quite often, I'll pass laws that turn over a lot of authority to, say, the Department of Health or the the State Board of Education to write rules about how that's going to be implemented. And to me, that's delegating responsibility that the legislative branch was supposed to do themselves.
0: Lyman's views land staunchly to the right of the political spectrum. His gubernatorial campaign contains several pillars, including natural resources, infrastructure, and election integrity. Last year, Lyman sponsored legislation to scrap Utah's vote-by-mail system. It failed to pass the House. But the candidate for Utah's governor is even better known for leading a 2014 ATV protest on federal lands near his home in San Juan County. Lyman was convicted on federal charges, but later pardoned by President Donald Trump. He says access to public lands is important to him, but secondary to a larger idea in his campaign of government accountability.
1: Where I live down here in Blanding, it's like an island of private property and an ocean of public land. Which has always been a real blessing to us until they start trespassing you for for going on, you know, the government's property, and that's that's caused problems throughout history. So the real the real issue for me is accountable government, government that uh, that is responsive to the needs of the people, and right now it's not responsive to the needs of the people.
0: Lyman is the first candidate to challenge Governor Spencer Cox in next year's election. Cox currently chairs the National Governors Association, where he has promoted his Disagree Better campaign, an initiative aiming to solve the problems of political polarization. The Utah Republican Party will vote for their nominees for governor in April 2024. Speaking of elections, Moab's municipal election is happening this month, and registered voters should expect ballots in their mailboxes soon. Ballots were shipped on Tuesday. Grand County Clerk Auditor Gabriel Wojtek.
2: I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, by this Friday or Saturday, people start seeing ballots in their mailboxes, definitely by Monday.
0: Voters can return their ballots by mail or drop them off in person at the Grand County Clerk's Office or Moab City Hall. Wojtek says it's important to give voters options to participate.
2: in The way that they feel comfortable with, whether that's returning the ballot through the mail or coming on into our Dropbox. There's one at the Moab City Center at the City Hall up outside of the recorder's office. And there's a Dropbox outside the clerk's office here at the Grand County Courthouse.
0: The clerk's office will hold a logic and accuracy test this Friday at 9 a.m. The public is invited to their office to attend. Tests will be done on all of their election equipment.
2: That includes the ballot marking devices that we usually have out in the lobby that folks can vote on on the touch screen as well as the tabulators that we use in the office to tabulate the ballots. And so if anyone's curious about that equipment and just the process that we go about to make sure that those machines are operating accurately, it's a public test and we welcome anyone from the public to join us and and participate.
0: There is still time to register to vote in this year's Moab municipal election. Head to vote.utah.gov to register online or register in person at the Grand County Clerk's Office. Election day is Tuesday, November 21st. So, who are the candidates running for Moab City Council? Well, KZMU and the League of Women Voters of Southeast Utah held a candidate debate on Monday to get to know all five people running for office. They spoke on a number of issues, including water, housing, the budget, and property tax. We'll hear their introductions from that event. Candidates were asked to quickly state why they love Moab and want to work for the city and its residents. We'll start off with incumbent Tani Knutson-Boyd. I love Moab because I love the people
3: here. Even if we have different perspectives and different ideas, we come together as a community like no place I have ever lived. Thank you.
0: My name is Caitlin Myers, and I love MOA because it's a place where you can just be a human being and enjoy human experience as an individual person. A lot of bigger places and other places you feel anonymous or you feel like a statistic. And here it's a place where I can wear glitter. I can find young uh, young opportunities as a professional. Um, And no matter who you are or or what struggles you have, uh, you have a community that's there to support you and to say hi to you at the grocery store. So I'm running for city council to represent real people people that are living and working and contributing to Moab. And I want to give them a voice. Thank you.
1: My name is Patrick Robbins. I love Moab because I was raised here. When I moved here from 1973 as a young child, I came from Los Angeles. What a culture shock. I had hair clear down to here and a skateboard in a hand and I was the weirdo on the block. So I just, there are people, my supporters, some of the supporters who wanted me to run don't feel like they have a voice and I want to be a bridge for them so that they will trust in our local government.
4: My name's Colin Topper. The reason I'm standing here in front of you right now is because 25 years ago when I moved here, these 25 years have been full of open doors and opportunities. And I want to make sure that those open doors and opportunities as much as possible are still available to people in this community and to people still to come to this community. Brad Woodford. I love Moab for the beautiful landscape surrounding us, the access to outdoor recreation, the community events, and the people who call this place home. I know I feel lucky to call this place my home. I want to work for the residents of Moab to ensure the city priorities, these five things, being prepared for extreme weather events, supporting our small businesses, creating housing for people trying to make Moab their home, monitoring, conserving, and protecting our water resources, and lastly, to make sure our families and our kids are taken care of.
0: The five candidates running for three seats on Moab's city council. There is more, a lot more from our event with the League of Women Voters. You can find the entire candidate debate on the KZMU News and KZMU Public Affairs podcasts later today. Listeners will also be able to find it on the front page of our website, kzmu.org. Utah State University professor Patrick Belmont recently ran 42 miles along the shore of the Great Salt Lake. The path he ran spelled out, Get Fossil Fuels Turned Off. It was an effort to bring awareness to climate change as well as the shrinking water levels of the lake. Lara Jones, with our partners at KRCL, spoke with Professor Belmont about his run and what he hopes it will
3: inspire. Remind folks what you do at Utah State University.
4: Well, I'm a water scientist and climate scientist, so I, I work on all kinds of water-related problems, wildfire-related problems, anything to do with you know, the so many problems that stem from climate change. It's impacting us in so many different ways, from our snowpack to our food to our water. If I work on any of those problems.
3: But you're really trying to a shine a light on the Great Salt Lake, but b one of the causal factors in its state, fossil fuels.
4: Right, exactly. You know, I've been working in climate science for 20 years now, and I've I've done so much science, and for so long, I thought if I just do the science, we create the information, and then decision makers will make better decisions. But we've certainly seen that that is just not the case. We knew very clearly back in the 1990s that we needed to get fossil fuels turned off, and our fossil fuel emissions globally have doubled since then. We're not only going the wrong direction, we're accelerating in the wrong direction still. And so I've been you know, doing lots of talks and, and trying to reach out in different ways to get the message across. It's so simple. We just have to get the fossil fuels turned off.
3: Now, in past years, I would say a way to do it would be to spell out a message in the sand, but you were also being environmentally sound and strategic. Tell folks what you did and what your message spells out where they can find it.
4: I'm a runner. I, I like to run really absurdly long distances. So I decided I was going to do a long run on the dry lake by the Great Salt Lake. And what I wrote out was a message that says, get fossil fuels turned off.
3: You're really hoping it helps people or catches people's attention And then drives a conversation about what folks can do. And you really want to talk about solutions, that there's things we can do. Absolutely. And I feel like so many people
4: are kind of paralyzed because they've been hearing about this for so long. There's a lot of anxiety about climate because we do see how it's impacting us in so many different ways. And especially the Great Salt Lake um, moving forward. So, you know, there's a lot of non-technical things that people can do. Uh, Certainly voting is a big one. We need to be voting for people who are going to take this issue seriously. And we really have not been taking it seriously, certainly at the state level uh, up to this point. 2023 will most certainly be the highest rate of emissions in history and globally, as well as at the state level. So we really have not turned the corner on this yet. So voting and holding policymakers accountable is something to can do. It takes two minutes to call your legislators and let them know this is an issue that's important to you and you want to see them making headway. Just talking about it is another really free thing you can do. You know, we, we often keep this all bottled up and it that's what creates a lot of anxiety. And then other people don't know that each other concerned about it. So talk about it. You know, talk about your concerns. Talk about the kind of world you want to live in, the kind of world you want to leave to our kids. And it gets it in the everyday conversation. So that we start making better decisions and people are just hearing more about it.
3: As part of the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, you know, we have been trying to have more and more conversations about the Great Salt Lake. But Professor, I find it really interesting that although it's been shrinking, it's still a big physical presence on our landscape. And yet it's so out of sight, out of mind for people. It's not a destination for the majority of folks. And I'm kind of curious if more if you thought more people visiting it would be a good thing to see it and to understand what's going on.
4: I think it would. I mean, we've got a lot of great uh, public access areas of Great Salt Lake, and it is just a magical place. It's just an incredibly beautiful place. I took so many pictures while I was out there, because I was out there um, through dawn and through sunset.
3: <laughs> what are some of the sights that you saw uniquely because of your run? I
4: got. I started at Spiral Jetty, and so I actually wrote the message backwards, and it's in cursive. So to write cursive backwards, that's a feat <laughs> in itself. <laughs> I started at Spiral Jetty, and I went. It was about. Eight miles, you know, directly as the crow flies um, to the G and the get fossil fuels turned off. You know, I just saw so many different textures of the lake bed. There were big, salty, you know, hard pans. There was really soft sand. There was wet sand. I was going through puddles. There was lots of like just organic matter that had been encrusted in salt that I was walking through. It was kind of powdery. It was really just a, a magical
3: place. So where is this message and where can people get a hold of it? What do you want them to do with it?
4: So right now, it's posted on my Instagram and Facebook. We, we found a really beautiful satellite image that was from about three weeks before I did the run. So it's okay. a very recent satellite image. But it shows you know I was using kind of that whole dry part of the lake bed on the north arm of the Great Salt Lake. I'd love to just, yeah, that would be a piece of art that people use in any way they want.
0: That's Utah State University professor Patrick Belmont speaking with our partners at KRCL. Professor Belmont recently ran 42 miles along the shore of the Great Salt Lake in an effort to bring awareness to its shrinking water levels. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, November 1st. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.